Hey, 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 everybody, welcome once again to another episode of your favorite local movie podcast, Cult Following, brought to you by the people who bring you Cult Classics AZ every month. Join us this Saturday, September 10th, for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Tickets available online at cultclassicsaz.com and at all your local favorite Zero Records locations. I'm Victor Marino, one of your three hosts for this journey into film shenanigans, along with Adam Rakowski, me, and Kirby Nelson. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about our summer film in review, the, the summer of film in review. Just movies we've been watching since our last episode, as the summer's pretty much winded down and we're getting into that fabled fall dead zone leading up to Halloween. The whole summer has felt like a big dead zone. Pretty much. Uh, from what I've been reading lately on uh, Hollywood Reporter and Variety and such, there's only three movies this summer that have really made any money. Uh, I'm Cap- just proud that you're you're reading. Victor's an insider. Right. Captain America Civil War, Finding Dory, and Secret Life of Pets are the only movies this this summer that have met expectations. For which is not budget. that shocking. Not that shocking. I mean, especially now since the summer movie season ostensibly starts in March and goes all the it's way true. to September. Yeah, they've pretty much given up, haven't they? Yeah. At having like their, Well, I think they now just their one May. of the big things I think they do is is that they time things with school breaks and uh, you know, seasonal everything's seasonal too. I mean, it's like I mean, it's really weird to look at movies um you know, I used to remember, I mean, it still happens that movies fall on, like, Thanksgiving or Christmas and, um, you know, major holidays. Obviously, they're always going to make a Valentine's movie or Mother's Day. I mean, literally thematic movies. Yeah. But, I mean... Well, we'll s- see now that Gary Marshall's died. We'll probably see less of those, I'm assuming. <laughs> that is true. Rest in peace. Well, they they do a lot of the the, the big... Uh, Temples. Heart, tugging... Uh, Oscar and award heavy movies at the end of the year, so then they yeah. remember well, for the true, Golden Globes. That usually starts that. around, you know, Thanksgiving towards like the first yeah. of the year is when you get all the Oscar bait movies. Yeah, because yeah. they're not so concerned about making money on those yeah. so much by saying, oh, by the end of the fiscal year, by December, blah blah blah, we're gonna have blah 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 blah. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about like earlier this year we had our our dump. You know, dump, dump months, yeah, dump yeah, month yeah. podcast, which used to be traditionally from January to about May. Now it's January to about the February. beginning of February, <laughs> and the only the only other dump season is pretty much uh, starting right now, Labor Day to right about Thanksgiving. And this is the season when the studios are just putting things in theaters that they don't think have any have put really a lot of money into or have that much faith in because there's no real holiday to anchor them yeah there was like nothing that well what yoga hosers came out this week yeah was that it you can't really throw yoga hosers in there for the simple fact that uh it's distributed by kevin smith right It, it he's it's just large scale four walling right yeah. But what else came out this, this week? week? Was there anything well, this week? No, we had a few movies come out this week. We had uh, Morris from America from A24 Films. A24 has been having an awesome year. That they have. At, like, pretty much every movie they put out this year has been awesome. I still need to watch uh, Imperium, which also came out a, a week or two ago, that has um, Daniel Radcliffe. 
playing a journalist. He goes undercover. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, Yeah, that looked pretty good. It looks pretty interesting. Did you see the lobster yet? No, I haven't seen the lobster yet. I I was going to get on Redbox. I really was interested. It just... um, See, as the months go by and the weeks go by and this year is kind of like wrapping up, it's like starting to get higher and higher on my list. Oh, yeah. I'm developing my list right now. But yeah, Lobster is definitely on my list to check out, you know, before the end. Last week I was slammed. Well, last year, too, we had, I do remember that we were originally talking about the beginning of January doing our top 10 of the year and it ended up getting shifted to like almost the end of the month because yep. we had so much to watch yeah. because of that dump. I think traditionally we've been doing it like in February just so everyone can catch up on yeah. the movies. That well, we it was crazy. Out. I mean, I watched like five different new release movies last week and I still didn't hit everything, mm-hmm. you know, because stuff is just coming out so much, especially with VOD. Like there's still things on VOD I want to hit. Like um, I think Anti-Birth comes out this week with natasha leone and that and uh chloe seven and that looks like really interesting mm-hmm. i really want to watch that morgan came out last week and it bombed huge which sucks because it's a really good movie what's the synopsis of that because i all i see is morgan morgan, morgan I, but I, I feel no like the marketing behind that is totally failed that movie i have a i have a good review of it up on cultfollowing.co but my take on it is if you liked Blade Runner, Ex Machina, or Splice. Like, you should check this out. It's directed by Ridley Scott's son, Luke Scott. It's his first movie, and Ridley Scott produced it. Mm-hmm. And it really has the flavor of, like, a proto-Blade Runner. How old is he? Um, I, I don't know how old he is. I think he might be, like, around Duncan Jones's age. You know, probably late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like... Uh... You know, there's a few progeny who've really taken off. I mean, obviously, actors, I think, are better known than directors. You know, I mean, in terms of, yeah. uh, uh, like, a uh, son or a daughter, you know. I mean, obviously, like, Sofia Coppola. I always think of Max Landis mm-hmm. um, did stuff. And I feel like there's people out there and stuff. I do remember some. I remember reading an article when Tony Scott died and them saying something to the effect of that he was interested in continuing yeah. on with. I mean, I, I want people to see Morgan just because I think once people see it, they'll be like, oh, I really missed out. Maybe it's because it's a studio movie. It's not getting as much buzz as something might have if it would come from, you know, A24 or another one of these smaller studios. Cause, but for the most part, it, you know, it, it in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Stranger Things where, like, you watch it and you're saying, oh, this reminds me so much of this movie, but it's not quite that movie. You know, and watching Morgan, I distinctly got the flavor like, oh, this sort of reminds me of Alien or this sort of reminds me of The Thing or this sort of reminds me of Blade Runner. It's in that sort of lineage, but it's not like any of those films specifically. So I looked up Luke Scott. Okay. He has a very, uh, I don't know, interesting history. Okay. Uh, He was born in 68. Really? So he's, he's oh, even, I thought he was much, uh, much. Uh, you would think that he'd be younger yeah. for the the very little that he's done. Um, he's he's directed three things: Morgan, which was the big brouhaha. Yeah. Loom. I want to say that I've seen Loom. It's a short. I have. I seen feel Loom. like I've heard of it. What? I saw it at a Phoenix um, Film Fest, I think, years ago. What's it about? 
Um, if this, wait, is it Loom L O O M or Loon L O O N? Like sewing. Mm. Mm. Om. 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 Yeah. Then yeah. no, sorry. I was thinking of the film I saw was called Loon. My apologies. Okay. I'm. Uh, I have hearing problems. It's oh, from you know, 25 yeah, years I, of going to shows. Yeah. I have seen this. You have. So at least I'm. I have seen Loom. He's not a liar like so me. So what is Loom about? Just towards. Is it end. about the? What's? Well, it's a high tech futury. Blah 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 blah. Damn! Thing. I was really hoping it was about the early 90s, ladies, early 90s PC game, oh. the uh, text based adventure. Oh sure, I would have thought point maybe like adventure. I mean, like crochet or something. Yeah. And they're using. Did the you loom. ever play that ever in your life, Adam? I may. Have. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he directed one episode of The Hunger back okay. in 1999. What, ep- what was the episode called? Skin Deep. Who's in it? I bet. I think I've seen it. Popping it up, popping it up, popping it up. A woman goes to the bar where she is mesmerized by a seductive dancer who offers her an expense. Experience and pleasure and pain. Her I, friend uh, attempts to warn her away. Yeah, sorry, I'm talking weird. Uh, you open uh, the box. We uh, came. A woman goes to the bar where she is mesmerized by a, a seductive dancer who offers her an experience in pleasure and pain. Her friend attempts to warn her away. Oh, but who's Season two, episode two. Who's in it? David Bowie. He's a narrator. He's in every season Himself, episode. Himself, host. Kate Vernon as Lainey. Kim Freeney as Cat. Mm. I don't recognize any of these other names. I don't know. Uh, no worries. Well, Ridley Scott produced that series. I, 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 I'm sure I've seen it, but I can't remember what yeah. it's about. I've seen every episode of that show. Uh, oh, uh, but, I mean, really, he hasn't done a whole... He was an actor in The Duelists back oh. in 77. Uh, and uh, he was an art director. So he was. He's got like one credit for like just. So odd he was things. nine years old. To be fair, I- I'll say for fourteen ninety two, Conquest of Paradise in ninety two. Yeah, which oh. is really Scott's. Yeah, yeah, Columbus movie. Right. Yeah, a lot of Scott free projects. What I will say is the movie looks very professionally done. It doesn't seem very amateur, and I think all the shots are done very well. I would I would think it was someone who's done their due diligence. That, yeah. I'm sure he was surrounded by people who knew what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure Daddy wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to mm-hmm. be, you know. Yeah, but just just choppy. to stay on task, I will say it's a good movie, and you should check it out. Because I would think that you know I'm I'm 42, so he was like what like five six years older than me. Yeah. Uh, so really, at that time when I'm probably pushing 50, I'd want to. I'm, I'm, I would get past the point of like, daddy, daddy, I don't want to be like, or I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to like rely on his help. I'd be like, all right, let's, uh, you know, give me some feedback. Yeah. Here. And the thing too is there's a lot of, there's a lot of directors who've gone into it late, like Wally Pfister, because they've shot movies for other people. Mm-hmm. Like Wally Pfister shot the last few Harry Potter movies. He shot like seven of Christopher Nolan's movies. I'm- and the first movie he directed was Transcendence, which is terrible. And I'd say this is much better than Transcendence. So I'm pretty sure, if I recall correctly, that Wes Craven, I think, was about 41 or 42 when he directed um, Last House on the Left. Because yeah. he, was, he was pretty old. He had been a professor for like 15, 20 years before. He, he had started well, in his Scorsese's like... Well, the same way, too. Yeah, he had started yeah. in his time. Like, he was doing, like, cutting... 
trailers and stuff like that. He was doing kind of the grunt work, learning mm-hmm. the business. But I'm pretty sure that, yeah, he started really late in life. Hmm. Like, he did, like, a literal second career, second, like, lifetime and stuff. So, that was, I mean, I always, you know, so I, I, lesson learned, you know, it's never too late. Whether you have a famous father or not, I mean, you can definitely do it. Not to sound like a PSA or anything. Which is so disappointing because, you know, I've been been rebooting my career and, and, and focus on stuff. I can't find a job to save my life. You know, but I had this thing because we were uh, Ann and I were on vacation for the last week in Minnesota, <coughs> and we were we were hitting Excuse up uh, those little kind of like corner tchotchke places that have like all the weird mix of of jackalopes and and uh, and knickknacks and loons and what L O O N and all that stuff. And I, I said, Ann, I said this would be awesome. Why don't we just have like a side show? attraction place kind of like the thing that's uh past tucson like going to uh whatever oh, oh. not as not as badly like on the way bad as that. Yeah. yeah but uh that would be so much fun just be like you know come to this place that has we have like an alien and it's you know pay me a dollar per person and you mm-hmm. get to go see it and then buy all my tchotchke stuff speaking you know of which, build a mythology around it not to branch off too weird but when there was the last full moon sale i recently rewatched. i haven't watched it in years like at least five years god i forgot how good tourist trap is um it was um one of the empire like around the time empire started and stuff but it was uh just such a creepy ass movie the pino dinaggio scoring is amazing hmm. and it's it's chuck connors when he had pretty much given up he only had like he only lived like another 10 years after that and he just wanted to reinvent he wanted to be like i've read in interviews wanted to be like a lon cheney or a bella lugosi boris karloff type he just wanted to reinvent himself as like a horror icon and he actually did several horror films and he died uh, during one of the series. I is my number one most wanted TV series on Blu-ray DVD is um, Werewolf, which was his oh, final, yeah, right, which right, was right. his yeah, final yeah. role. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that show. So I liked that show. Yeah, that, that was, was one of the show. first. <laughs> I watched a lot of the episodes on YouTube. And it's it's basically the Incredible the Hulk, but it's right, still that. awesome. The last time I remember that being on anything was on Chiller. Yeah, it was. It, it was the, the reason Shout Factory, and I think it was '09, was going to release it. And they had the art. I still have a saved um, image of it. It was beautiful, hand-drawn art. Like, the best art before they started doing all the uh, Nathan Thomas Milliner ones. It was, like, uh, his... It, his uh, <laughs> I just do it to elicit a response yeah. from Victor. It's like talking about found footage. It's this trigger I, word. You know, I every, every time I get a Shout Factory release with one of these Nathan Thomas Milliner artworks, pull it out, flip it over, boom problem solved anyway it's the bag over the head of, yeah of, yeah um but um I, I don't have the same opinion i mean i enjoy some of them but the um but anyways werewolf was going to be released and what happened was it was originally released for those who don't know on fox in 87 when the network really launched and they didn't have a whole lot of shows this is more of the simpsons saved them and mary with children a lot of other shows but they took a risk on Werewolf, which is basically about, like, it was the Incredible Hulk TV series. But instead of Lou Ferrigno popping out, it was, you know, werewolf costumes. Um, but the um, they were going to release the series, and what happened was the legal issue, which is usually what 
Mars these releases was is that they had a to they were licensed uh, top forty soundtrack, mm -hmm. and now all those artists want oh, the money and they cannot course. remove the audio from the visual. Right. So there's n they're not going to pay it the exorbitant sums that they want for. Yeah. So it yeah. happens so often. Well, freaks uh, and geeks had that problem. I think for a while they had enough of a following but, to yeah. justify licensing it. I'm even even some bigger releases like Return of the Living Dead. There's always one song that doesn't make it to yeah Blu-ray, and there is only a few um, sources I believe that have that. And it base it's based I think it's on an X song. Yeah, it's um it's based on there's a, you know you can get the VHS or I think there's one release with it. Yeah, and it was basically for the lawsuit. And it's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure it's a song they're listening to on the radio. It's not even really all that essential, I think. But I, you know, everybody needs the complete version. Just and on that same riff too. You know what's funny? Uh, a lot of people who know me know that I like that I despise Gotham on Fox to the depths of my very core. It's a terrible show. Oh. The only reason that Fox gets to make that show is because of an agreement they made with Warner Brothers to get the rights to release Batman 66 on home video. They got the TV rights to Batman for a foreseeable amount of time, and that's the crap they chose Which at a time was the most wanted price show ever yeah. on DVD and Blu-ray for a good chunk of time. Yeah, I think it should have come out earlier. I don't. I think once it finally came out, it just hasn't really been I, anything. I'm really interested, though. I suppose I, I've heard. I think in at the beginning of October they're putting out an animated Batman '66 cartoon. Yes, that has uh, Burt Ward, Julie Newmar, and Adam West reprising yes. their parts with soundalikes for everyone else. The really funny thing is Julie Newmar and Burt Ward sound exactly the same, and it's Adam West that sounds off of all people. <laughs> <laughs> I think people will be like, it's the guy from Family Guy. Pretty right much. Now. It's it, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Is Patrick Stewart going to do a voice on there, too? I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Is it point. is it uh, produced by Seth MacFarlane's group? No, it looks, it's it's one of the DC Warner animated ones. Okay. Yeah. I kind of wondering now that um, Sausage Party is such a success, if that's going to give Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg enough money to keep financing Preacher since... I don't think it's doing exactly awesome. No, I th it got renewed for a second season. Oh, well, I'm sure that might be have something to do I with it. I think I can say I think one of the bigger problems with Preacher was that they should have said at the beginning season one was going to be a prequel to the comic series. Like, the actual adaptation doesn't start till next season. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... I don't know. Well, all those shows, all the AMC shows mm -hmm. seem to constantly get, you know... Second chance. There's, so. again, there's a lot of interesting stuff on the horizon. Horizon, I think uh, AMC is also doing American Gods next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I uh, hope it just doesn't get too bogged down in in like it's. Uh, it can be a bit melodramatic. The, I mean, the book itself, it, it was hard to get through. It's so wordy. Or it might be stars, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. Just anything that's Neil Gaiman that's adapted for television or screen i'm all for i love stardust i watch it every now and again uh the the bbc release of neverwhere i think is really good um i remember watching that one years ago but i remember it being really good yeah so i you know i i, I pull those out now and again and watch them i think they're 
Wandifala. Yeah. It's funny that everybody always wants, you know, of course, Sandman, but there's so many different directions you can go in because so many stories and arcs. I mean, it's literally impossible. I always have thought, truly believe that the uh, one that, I mean, really could hit such a high note if it was marketed properly and released at the right time is um, if they ever just... Because out of all the stories I can think of, it's the best one to adapt would be Death, The High Cost of Living. Like that just, would be a good movie. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. a movie or something. Not, I, sorry, I didn't mean as a show, as a movie. Um, you know, the other ones have to be shows. There's no way. It's just like they keep, oh, we're going to make The Dark Tower. And I'm I like, think the just further... make it a show. There's no point right. in trying to make it well, a movie. From what I understand now, The Dark Tower is now a sequel to the books. Is what I've been reading. That doesn't actually exist. Yeah, that's one way to avoid it, puritanical rage. Okay. Yeah, but no. Uh, just uh, Westworld. Yeah, Westworld looks. Is interesting. that finally going to come out? When is it's that coming come, out? It comes out in October. A lot of stuff coming out in October. Yeah. So does the se- the second season of Ash versus Evil Dead. That's right. Which I don't really know that much about. They. I mean, there's a trailer, but I haven't seen it. They've been going with this weird uh, election-themed promo stuff, or, right. which I'm not a big fan of. But Dude, did you ever get the Steelbook? Yeah, I did, actually. Did you find it in the wild? or? Yeah, I, okay. went, I got it at Superstition. Okay, I went to Superstition. I went to like three of them. I couldn't get it. Yeah, by the time I got it, there were only two copies left in Arizona, according yeah. to Best Buy. I'm sure it was. <laughs> For but those I'll, who were wondering, uh, they put out Ash vs. Evil Dead in this format called Metal Pack, which okay. is you know, a ripoff of Steelbook. And uh, it's a cool, it's really cool. It's kind of shaped like a tombstone with uh, a rusty chainsaw, and the and it's kind of embossed with rivets. Mm-hmm. And you and the back is Ash's mechanical hand. Oh, it's nice, you know. If I. Once I got it, I realized, yeah, I'm glad I got this one because the other Blu-ray version is a lenticular cover, which I'm not crazy about. Lenticular. Yeah. Like that prism where it just kind of looks like lightning flashing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I I like that on Digibooks, but I don't really like it on slipcases. I'm just hoping for the, um, the, uh. Adam special edition supercut. No, I'm saying that I'm spoiled. I have my supercut. Yeah. Yes. So Adam, I'm not. I didn't even buy the. In case you didn't know, Adam, as I've mentioned numerous times, is a man of many, many, many talents. One of the ones is amazing editing abilities, and he made a supercut of the whole season perfectly without timed. any annoying credits, without any credits, yeah. without any commercials, no and bumpers, it is nothing. Nothing. It is timed perfectly. Um, it just flows. I watched it actually when I was sick, and it was just such a great movie to watch, like a perfect. Yeah, I almost wish I could watch it without knowing, like where all the cuts were and everything. You did a pretty seamless job on it. Yeah, though. it is seamless. Yeah, I worked hard. Did some you of them overlay were... the songs over. The... Some of them, yes. Because I, I, figured I had to had... like resync. I had to find yeah. the original songs and yeah. then resync them and volumize them and all that stuff. Yeah. Those are some of my more prouder cuts. You yeah. should I put be, man. On it's so incredible. Overlays and everything. Yeah. He also did an amazing job on the packaging. But, mm-hmm. um, that was a fun was actually, project. Just to stay on task, because yeah, I yeah, was yeah. trying to get through this week's Sorry. releases. <laughs> <I> t- <laughs> yeah. 
So Morgan, I I would suggest people check out the other. The other, I saw this other one from. I'm trying to remember what studio it was. It might also be A twenty four, but I'm not totally sure. It's called Complete Unknown, uh, and it stars Rachel Weiss and Michael Shannon, who you would know from Midnight Special and Man of Steel and uh, Bug. Bug. B-U-G. Is that the one? Michael Shannon. Yeah. Is that the one with uh, Ashley Judd? Yes. That's a William Friedkin movie. Oh, right. And they're on meth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. So this is a really interesting movie. That's my favorite of his. Yeah. Michael Shannon. Rachel Weisz plays a lady who changes her identity whenever she gets bored with her life. It might as well be called, uh, what, like... White girl problems or first I was just world problems. Say, the movie Tumblr Mermaid Girl. The yeah. Film. So like the movie has the structure I've seen a lot of movies, low budget movies have of late, where it's it's all based around conversations like The Invitation or um, Coherence. So she goes to visit uh, Michael Shannon's house because it's his birthday party, and she goes out on a pseudo date with his brother who uh plays um what's the chick in um Orange is the New Black Piper she pl- the guy oh. who plays Piper's brother in Orange is the New Black she's going out with him i like him he's like one of the only good parts of that show the one who's selling panties for her on the outside no idea okay yeah, i haven't I've seen, only I haven't seen, seen the show episodes, okay so. so yeah orange is the new black blah 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 anyway it turns out that she went out with Michael Shannon like 15 years ago and she's acting like she never knew him. And then he's incredulous at the fact that she's been living this lifestyle for the last 15 years. And that's pretty much the movie. Hmm. And it's interesting because it's one of those movies that I feel someone with better acting experience or range could have done something really interesting with. I think Rachel Weisz tries, but I don't think she has enough range to really pull it off. But it's an interesting little character study. Huh. Um, I'm pretty sure it's playing at Harkins Shea 14 exclusively. Uh, the other one I, I was st- going to say definitely on the range comment. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Morris from America, which I liked. It's a lot like kind of like Hunt for the Wilder People. Or I would say it's more like, what would this movie be like? My Girl. Oh, like a cross between My Girl and Igby goes down. It's about this kid named Morris, and he's played by this new actor named Marquis Christmas, and he's growing up in Germany, and his dad, Craig Robinson from The Office, is a soccer coach, and he's basically trying to be a good kid, but it's it's a big commentary on race and those sorts of things because his German teacher encourages him to go out for youth group, but then... They find a joint on the property, so they all assume he smokes, you know, he uses drugs. And it's sort of him trying to fit in where he's a big outsider based on his age and race. But it's funny at the same time. That one's actually good. Oh, it's a, it's a vanity piece. What is? Director and writer. Who? What are you talking about? Uh, Morris from America. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a vanity piece. Like, well, he he did most of the the heavy lifting on this. Yeah. Chad Chad Hartigan. Yeah, I his think, name's all over it. Yeah, I think it's probably based a lot in his life because it's kind of an unorthodox story. Oh, gotcha. But it's really it's it's I thought it was a really good movie. It's that one's from A twenty four for sure, and it's like another good pickup from them. Um, 
did we talk about Don't Breathe last time? No, because we hadn't seen right. it yet. So, did you see it, Adam? No, no interest. Okay, so me and Kirby saw Don't Breathe. Um, review up at cultfollowing.co. Yeah, cultfollowing.co. Kirby wrote a review of it. All the movies they talked about, there's reviews up on cultfollowing.co. Um, so, I I don't know. I've been sitting on, on this. Kirby wrote the review. I feel at the time I, I was sort of on the fence on it. Now my fence has shifted more towards I don't like it. I don't. What did, What do you think of? I mean, I'd have to. I, any film, yeah, obviously a second or third um, viewing, or maybe more, depending on how you how your intake goes and assessment. But I mean, for me, the um, I I still really like it. I think the biggest thing that I had post review and watching it, and um, you know, thinking about more and more was is that. I mean, it's a pretty generic template of a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not possible. But two things is funny when we were watching it. Victor um, had brought up a point on, and and we're we're gonna go into spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Is is that the um, the the antagonist, the blind man? That's literally what he's called. Yeah, the film. he has no name. He's he called the, the blind, blind man. man. Just so, just for uh, explanation. Well, don't you know people with disabilities don't have a name? Yeah, they're, oh, Adam, they're nameless in society. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were making a joke or something. I was like, man, that's pretty cold, dude. I'm, I'm I was making like, yeah. social commentary. Okay, yeah. yeah, no, I hear it now, but I was like, before, I was like, damn, dude, that's the coldest thing I've ever heard you say. Just saying. Yeah. Just threw it uh-huh, out there. Yeah. yeah. No, but it, it, well, it is. It's, well, part of the whole thing of it is, is that you get a backstory on this character to a point, but, you know, it's, it's like a three line item. And it's like, part of it is that he is a veteran of the Gulf War. And initially, there's some things like they set up, like basically, a, you know, kind of like a chloroform solution. And I was watching it going, you know, I'm sure somebody in the audience going, how the hell did he not become incapacitated? And it's like, I bet he was exposed to some kind of chemical warfare. So he probably doesn't have the same, or maybe he trained himself. I mean, who the hell knows? You know, yeah. you don't know what he kind of is, like special forces wise. But what I was going to say is, is that his daughter's killed in an accident. She is... Um, you know, he mourns her loss. You know, you can see it. They do sound very sympathetic for him. Yeah, he how- comes across so sympathetic in this movie. Yeah, and then how- the length he goes. One of the big ones, of course, is that the 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 elite, um, you know, kind of preppy white girl that kills his daughter ends up becoming his prisoner. Which Victor called in the movie, and you know, it's pretty. I obvious call that really early. early. But I actually recently just saw the trailer. Again, and it's there's a scene in there where you see her in the trailer. So it's it's funny that you know you would consider yeah. that's like twist number one, the big twist. They ruin and it, it in the trailer, it, and they ruin it in the trailer. And it's not a this new trailer; is why it's I'm an not old trailer. Watching trailers, well, that's for true too. Anymore, yeah, yeah. Well, that then that's kind of where I was going yeah. on that. But my big thing on it is is that really what I have the biggest um, issue with. Like I said, it's it's. Um, beautifully shot, no matter which way you look at. Great score, great acting from everybody. It's the only movie I've seen where they make night vision like yeah, not obnoxious, say, not not annoying and stuff. But a big part of it is is that a lot of people brought this up. I mean, I said as soon as the film finished, when we were discussing it well, with our friends uh, Troy and Jen, who came to the screen as well, was that it's the people under the stairs. And it really oh, yeah, it is. is. The more I think about it, though, there really is a lot of 
similarities. Somebody made a list online, mm-hmm. and I mean, it really isn't just casual. I mean, it really no, is extensive. No, I feel it's, it's, oh, here's this movie. Let's just change three things about it. I'll, I'll say, here's here's my bigger thing in hindsight. Once I've, One of the things I'll, I'll bring out really made me hate this movie afterwards. So there's these three kids. One of them is the ki- main kid in the Go- Goosebumps movie. And Jane Levy, who's good in everything, even in terrible movies. She's a good actress. You know, I don't know why she keeps doing these dumpy horror movies. Because she probably needs a better agent. Or she feels <laughs> indebted to Fede or something. The third kid... Who's the main, uh, I guess, antagonist in the movie? His name is Money, and he plays Jane Levy's abusive boyfriend. He is also in It Follows. He is the kid that the main girl in It Follows, you know, has sex with, and then it it, it turns into his mom and kills him. Oh, that's yeah, kind of the forgot. kid who plays Money. Yeah. He is very sympathetic in It Follows. Yeah. In this movie, he is fucking terrible. And just like, they just go out of their way to make him the most cliched, let's fucking kill this guy and kick this movie on. He's, he's essentially, for those who know the internet meme, he basically is scumbag Steve in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's just this very, it is a very cheesy caricature, but you still hate him. I mean, yeah, it there's is nothing good about him. And, and parts later, they, please, I'm just, you know. I'm here like they gave him a little like try to redemption thing like I'm the only one breaking in here when you know stick can you know magically sense when people are around <laughs> um and, and it's fine but the thing is these are the people you're supposed to feel for Jane Levy and this kid who's basically break helping these assholes break into buildings because it's you know so he can provide for his dad and so the girl can provide for you know, her sister, because she's in an abusive situation. But they just don't give you enough. And they make him seem so sympathetic that they have to introduce twist number two, which ruins the whole movie to me. Yeah, and it's it's one of those twists that visually and stuff, when you're watching on screen, it, it, it's, it's real tense and stuff. But when you think about it afterwards and stuff, it becomes, you're just not sure where it comes from. Like, you know what I mean? And that's where I think where Victor kind of got the idea of um, he had expressed his, you know, more of a sympathy for the blind man down yeah. the line because it's kind of like, man, you know, what he, his, he really explains himself. Like, he's not talkative a huge mm-hmm. amount of the film, but he says, like, the yeah, important thing. The things. reason these kids want to break into his house is because he got a gigantic settlement. Like, we find out it's like a million dollars for his daughter being killed. Paid off by this rich family. Yeah. Like, under the table, because it's there's a Freddy Krueger, like, oh, we didn't dot our eyes, and, you know, she's rich, so she got off. So he ends up kidnapping her. That's yeah. twist number one, that he keeps her tied up in his basement, right? Mm-hmm. We might as well just, at this point... It's up to you, okay, man. Okay, so it turns out, somewhere along the lines of her having, you know, this the killer of his daughter under there he decides he needs another child and rather than go the route of kidnapping a child he has a giant gallon of frozen sperm and a turkey baster mm-hmm. which he uses to inseminate her like a cow and he has her in stirrups there's just so many things about this that in hindsight don't make any sense to me how a blind guy can do all this like is there just a giant puddle around this jug where he missed 
maybe his exposure. I actually, I actually like that you reference stick because really that's the kind of you start going, okay, yeah, you were a vet, like you're this amazing combat vet or something, but you're like, you would have to relearn everything. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know, it's it's bizarre. There's a yeah. lot of convenient. It's, it, it feels like this thing is set up ostensibly just like, okay, this is why he's scum. The fact that he kidnapped her, no, no, no. There's still Those kids are still too scummy. Now he's a weird turkey based. Well, I think, I think <laughs> yeah. that comes though. Turkey babist. <laughs> well, it kind of comes though. That's like the rape culture kind of ideal issue thing. I think that that's where that comes from. But I, I don't. It, it's it can go on forever and stuff. I, I know. The last, I'm not going to go yeah. that much no, far no, no, into no, no, it because no, no, there's but, a much worse horror movie we saw that we're going to talk about. But the one thing I will say, without a doubt, was that um, it's very funny though you bring it up, so we can keep moving along. But I will say I found a lot of parallels with this with It Follows, and after well, they're both I, shot in Michigan. Yeah, too. not just shot in Michigan and because um you know of different things and stuff and i love it follows it was in my top 10 and i still like it but i did see it follows three times in the theaters i saw it once by myself or saw it once myself then i saw it with victor and then i saw it with another friend of mine Mm -hmm. so i saw it three times and each time i still liked it but i liked it a little less Mm -hmm. than i did the first time now if i watch don't breathe a couple more times which i'm sure i will i because no just because (laughs) of um just the way it works friends want to watch it people want to watch it I liked it enough, but I could see myself liking it a little bit less and less. And that's, I'll just say as an overarching thing, is, is that that's the way I feel about a lot of films yeah. now. Is, is that I go, it's hard, really hard to make a true top ten at the end of the year. Because how many of these films would I really well, watch again and Well, you don't have to like? have a top ten. That's my, my, my stake in this now, that I don't like putting movies to fill... No, Spots. no, no. Well, it's, it, it, you can you can argue against the arbitrary numbering or that there has to be an, a set amount of yeah. selection because you may only like one film this year. I guess I go back to Adam's um, setup, kind of the the uh, we did the final four kind of mm-hmm. thing, and yeah, you know, it's a really genius idea because it really does make you think about how much you really like movies and yeah. which ones you were really like. And we end up big trouble in Little China one. I think I, maybe I'm, sounds right. I'm yeah. pretty sure one, and and that is one of the most rewatchable films of all time. We've talked about recently on our last podcast talking about like Blade Two. It's funny that I go back and think about it, it's like Terminator Two. Um, you know, there's like these like maybe five or six well, films that I can go ten films where I can go. Those are the movies I'd really rewatch every time and still like. I can tell you this much: one of the reasons that movies of the formula like. You know, don't breathe versus the people under the stairs. Is there's people that we can root for in the people under the stairs? True. And I can tell you, I saw. I'll just to transition this because I'm going to transition yeah, to please. a good movie first. I saw Train to Busan about As a week I. after this, right? Yeah. And it's this movie. It's a South Korean movie. First time director. I think his name is Yo Sang Hoo. And I remember it because I actually liked the movie enough to look him up afterwards. And it's his first movie. He's done animated movies before this. But it has a very simple plot. It's a father, and he's going through a divorce, and his daughter, Suan, is feeling neglected because he's investing so much time at work dealing with a divorce, and she's a little girl and doesn't really know what's going on. And she had learned how to sing Aloha for him at a talent show, and he didn't show up because he was too busy. And her birthday's coming up, so he gets his assistant to buy her a nice gift, and it's a Wii. And that's what he, what the assistant got her for 
Children's Day just a few weeks before. So she wants to visit her mom in another part of South Korea called Busan. Busan. So he agrees to take her on this train, like a bullet train that gets there in an hour. When they're going down there, there's like random stuff going on. You realize it's kind of sort of like World War Z at the beginning where there's like little incidents you see on TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they get on board the train as an infected person goes on and as a homeless guy gets on the train. And lots of people with money get on this train. So they're all more put out by the fact that a homeless guy got on the train. They don't even notice those, you know, infected person. And the whole thing is this weird little microcosm of society on a train. Now, my my uh, take on it going in, it's like, South Koreans know how to do movies set on trains. I learned this from Snowpiercer. I was about to say Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and it does share that, um, you know, the K-Horror stuff, you know, it's... it's you know, the host is another great yeah. one, and it draws a little bit from all of them. Yeah, but the thing that this movie does really well is it introduces all the different people from different, you know, walks of life on this train. There are a couple elderly sisters, these kids from a baseball team, and the girl has a crush on one of them, but he's kind of like a spaz, you know, and the expectant mother and her the burly you know father the like to be who's like yeah stay away from my wife asshole kind of guy yeah and you know when stuff starts happening in this movie you don't want anything bad to happen to all of these people in fact the main the the main antagonist in this movie very similar to uh don't breathe is named the business suited man you yeah. know it's more because he's just an asshole who's looking out for himself and the whole time is like it's in a lot of ways i was thinking of don't breathe where you know it's a very like the threat here is something that they could have contained if they just stopped and think about it but everyone has their own interests and they clash and it becomes worse and worse because none of them really ever communicate based on you know their different situations it's a really good movie i can see myself watching that movie over and over and over again yeah it's visually stunning as well and i really don't like um you know the kind of cg style but in and there was a couple parts. One's particular, the wave of zombie kind yeah. of thing. That was, you know, it's funny how goofy it looked in World War Z and how good it looked yeah. here. It's like wow, it's only a couple difference in years and huge difference in the budget, and yet it was amazing. Um, I I went and saw it very recently. I saw it on Sunday. I was blown, and I went on Victor's recommendation, and I was blown away by how good it was. Um, there's only one or two things like I said I could change, and that one I I'll. I'll give my opinion, but I'll keep it spoiler-free because this is one people really should see. Yeah. You know, don't breathe. You'll probably hear most of the things in the movie, but this is one I'm sure a lot of people won't get a chance, and it's it's just such a, a really good morality story yeah. as well as a really fun horror movie. Um, and, uh, you know, it has a cl- kind of classic K-horror tropes in it here and there, but it really is built around how good the actual story is and how good the actors are all of them and whether you whether you root for them or against them and that really is the story here is both as victor mentioned how they work together and how they work against each other from the beginning till the very end yeah. like yeah so really good film yeah another one that's come out lately i don't know if you've got a chance to see it yet uh adam kubo and the two strings nope you need to see it you it- mentioned it last time it's really or you, good. You just leave. No, did you see it? No, I did. A, I wrote a review of it. On oh, the I think phone. you saw a screen press screen, right? On that no, one. no, no. Oh, that you was one? the same day that I 
saw Ben Hur, which is terrible. Don't watch Ben Hur. But don't um, worry, nobody yeah. did, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if you get a chance, that's another one. That one will probably be on my top ten for the year. That right one I'm now. really excited to see. Yeah, Leica did a really good job on it, and it's just like vi- there's things in there that I thought were CGI, and the fact that it was all like puppet like stop motion puppetry blows my mind mm-hmm. um just to you know finish off you know the tail end of of the summer i'm gonna talk about a movie that i truly despised and it hits <laughs> in uh in in full release next uh in, on september 16th that is rob zombies 31 ah uh, god how would you talk about this? Is movie? it his worst? It is easily his it worst. It is easily movie. his worst, yeah. without a doubt. There's there's really no debate or discussion. I mean, even Rob Zombie fans are kind of like tool fans, and like I, I or really, just tools or just tools. But I mean, because I love Rob Zombie. No offense. No offense. No, I love Rob Zombie. I like his movies. I like White Zombie. I like his independent stuff. I think Rob Zombie is a genuine person deep down, and I think he really does (laughs) love horror and metal. No, I mean, I think he's one of those people. No, I know. It's just yeah. yeah, Who just? I mean, I think the thing is people. Yes. But he, um, what it is is that. I think you have to take a fair perspective of his films. And it's like, look, House Thousand Corpses, when it came out, I'm like, this is like the ultimate mishmash of so many different yeah. landmark films. You like it or you don't like it, it's fine. But The Devil's Rejects, I was like, man, he really kind the of... The Devil's Rejects He, he made really his own movie, movie, and it's yeah. really good. And then he made, you know, because I'm not... Halloween and Halloween 2, I'll keep separate here, and I'll just say... Lords of Salem was very unexpected. I was not expecting it this. It does follow Halloween 2 in some ways. Yeah, yeah. but it is visually especially his most striking probably film. Which and, was, not yeah. coincidentally, was shot by uh, Brandon Trost, uh, the guy who shot the FP, who also shot Halloween 2. Yeah, you put him with a good cinematographer, and I think there's a good chance of seeing yeah. interesting things. Yeah, no, and I, and, I love Lords of Salem. Yeah, and I thought yeah. it was very gallo. It's it is very much an Italian film, you know, except for his wife. That that kind of, but the acting in Italian movies isn't yeah. exactly awesome. And again, people go, "Do you hate Sherry Moon Zombie?" No, no, I don't. I just don't think she's a great actress. But I don't think in horror movies you, know, you that, have to be an amazing no. actor. And that's why I think they were smart in Lords of Salem, where it's about things happening to her exactly versus just her and that's a film where i do like her that's and probably my favorite role you get to to this movie 31 where i it has an interesting premise on paper where every halloween there's a, a pair of english people and they kidnap someone random and pit them against a collection of redneck sort of serial killers in disguise because it's Halloween. Now, if you put that pers- prospectus in front of me and say, "Oh, that that sounds like something Rob Zombie could direct," you know, without fucking up somehow, then that you know, I'm, I would be all on board. And I signed up to watch that movie. Instead, I get this weird white trash remake of House of a Thousand Corpses, where characters magically disappear and then reappear later. No one is likable. Again, the same problem with Don't Breathe. You 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 meet uh you meet Sherry Moon's crew who I don't even remember her character's name. 
it, it, it was something really like stupid. Like Rocky or... Char- yeah, something. Charlie Riley. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Either way, yeah, her name's Charlie Girl, and then there's a, one guy named Panda, and then base and Meg Foster, and they're all like, basically, they run a circus sideshow. You th- you you never see proof. They're of like this. um yeah like midway workers. Yeah, they yeah, basically yeah. all say like they're the girly show and then like um you know that that kind of thing. They're yeah, like, they're carnies. And they pull into a gas station and they get sized up by Bud from uh, Repo Man and uh, Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> wow. And then, and then half an Random hour later, half an hour later. Uh, you know, they get kidnapped by Malcolm McDowell and Judy Geeson, and they're in this terrible, like, murder world. And I will say, this movie is weirdly schizophrenic because it starts off with, like, what, a 10-minute monologue from Richard Brake, who's clearly in a different movie than everyone else here. Exactly. And he literally is the best part of this yeah. movie by far. Richard Brake, he played Joe Chill in Batman Begins. And here he plays this character called Doomhead, who's basically the Joker. I was just going to say, it's like when you watch him, you're like, God, you would have made an amazing yeah. Joker. Yeah, he's got the Joker makeup and everything. And he's just like, basically, he delivers death. And he's awesome. He's great in this movie. Everything with him is awesome. Unfortunately, he's in the movie for what I would say a good 15 minutes. Yeah, in terms of his total time. And really, like I said, you, you like Victor says, Schizophrenic is a great, great descriptor because it really is. It's like... Yeah, Malcolm McDowell and stuff, and they're playing the aristocrats. It's very yeah, Mary it, Antoinette. And it's not like, even done well. They look like the French aristocrats from Hellraiser Bloodlines. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very yeah. cheesy and stuff. But then the the game, it's funny that, and and Victor will elaborate as he MST3K'd the hell. This game makes no sense. The, he MST3K'd the hell out of the, the um, Q&A section after that we were treated yeah. to, which is a pre-recorded thing with interview yeah. with Rob Zombie. But it, it's one of those things where he talks about, like, he's like, oh, you people are going to be like, it's the running man. And I'm like, it is the yeah. running man. It, it it's the running man. Yeah. And, and that's a common thing. I mean, you could argue that's the Hunger Games, that's a million other things that have taken that story or, or versions of it um, throughout the 20th century fiction. But the biggest part is is that the actual outside of the facility or the the the, the hunting ground really does look like the running yeah, man. Yeah, it's a big factory. And yeah. and with different rooms that have themes and stuff because it's like it really makes it look like you literally expect like uh was it dynamo or somebody to come Yeah, come and out. instead of getting some really cool like d- terrible clown character like I was thinking they'd have somebody like Mr. Hammer from Batman Arkham City. The first character you meet is a midget Hitler. A midget Mexican Hitler. Yes. Or who, who, Latino all of his Hitler. dialogue is in Spanish. And I'm not saying like, oh, hola chica, onde esta? No, I'm literally like, I was saying, wow, he's speaking enough Spanish, and I speak Spanish, where he should have subtitles. Yeah, but they decided not to go no. that route. It's very weird. So if you don't speak Spanish during that part, you're actually missing out on a lot. Hmm. And... You know, once he's dispatched of, or yeah, I'm not spoiling that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you're introduced to a bun- uh, another couple pair of random clowns with chainsaws. Then after that, there's a pair who a, a pair of clowns, sex and death, sex and death, who are Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Carl from Die Hard. Carl from Die Hard, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. 
and you, then and then old Dick <laughs> takes it home, and that's yeah. it. That's all you get. Yeah, you but, get three acts, and, and it's him. like we're like they'll show up and like okay, like they fought these terrible, you know, and they're like oh we're all, they're almost beaten. Then suddenly the two clowns with chainsaws show up, and they're like oh well this is over. And then an hour passes, and like. They don't tell you how they got away from them. You're just supposed to accept, oh, they got away from them and they've been hiding from them from an hour with no weapons in a completely well, different Well, and that's part another thing that this is um, a, uh, a timed. So yeah, they constantly announce the... 13 hours long, 12 hours long. So, yeah. yeah. The movie is 12 hours long? No, no, no. The game is supposed to be 12 hours long, but it like jumps hours. Like something that you think happened a second ago happened two hours ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and then they try to like, oh, they fell asleep for a little bit or something. And then they... There's a dream sequence in the middle of this whole yeah yeah shenanigans. But it's like um, another part is they like, oh, we're gonna keep um, changing the odds. Like, what's the over under on somebody? It's like trying to make it more like this is the most dangerous game of all, right? Man, and it's and like, mind you, I they're betting with like what, I can't even tell what they are like gold coins and like some, doubloons, doubloons on this like like Bitcoin. on this pentagram table that looks like they bought from Spencer's. That's all lit up, and the movie now available at Hot Topic. Yeah, the movie's set in 1976. There's nothing in here that really looks like 1976. Well, and that's the thing is, is that they that that's probably one of Rob Zombie's only smart moves in this movie is they make sure that all the locations are like stripped of everything. Like you never, you know, like the filming, like you only see them at the beginning. It's like a desert town. At the end, it's a desert. It's still in the same desert yeah. town. There's never like any modern civilization or anything because otherwise, I mean, it really would no. be. But it definitely doesn't, like great, uh, Victor said, it doesn't put you there. No, and the thing is, and I'm I'm going to pretty much just stop talking about the movie at this point. But at that, at that point, once I realized there, you know, there are all these freaks who have more freaks to kill people for some unknown reason? Really, unknown. are they using a turkey baster to no, no, no. create more freaks? It, it's like this: this movie's House of a Thousand Corpses, where they ki- randomly kidnap some people. Except a, there might have been a Doctor Satan in here. I mean, there's a stupid table. Like honestly, when the movie ended, I'm like, uh, there's a truck who comes up to the last survivor. I'm thinking, oh, that's clearly Captain Spaulding because we haven't seen Sid Haig anywhere yet. And then it's not, and then the movie ends really weird and abruptly. And I'm thinking, if this had been a House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects prequel, I would have been like, oh, I get it. This was smart. I totally understand. This is how we, this is why the movie's so similar to House of a Thousand Corpses, because they picked everything up from this, you know, and just universe expanding. No, it doesn't, it ends with a weird ending. You know, and I know Lords of Salem has a weird nebulous ending too, but that actually plays into the kind of movie. Well, that was the whole. The, yeah, that was the whole beat this, of the it film. It doesn't like make sense at all. Like the whole, just I don't want to spoil it, but I'm just saying it doesn't make sense the way this movie ends on multiple levels. And anything to really redeem it was kind of like squandered. Then Rob Zombie does this Q and A at the end, where he's saying, "Well, you know." I spent two years making this movie about the Broad Street bullies, and it turned out it was never going to happen. So I, I was telling my agent on the phone, you know, I could make up a movie off the top of my head on the phone, and I could make get that made quick, made Tusk. quicker than this. Like, say there's these people who are going out on Halloween, and they get kidnapped and terrorized by evil clowns. And Green I did light. it. It's and I did it. So basically, this was a thing he thought up like as a dumb idea, and much like... Kevin Smith did with Tusk, Tusk yeah. and just did it because he could get money to do it. 
And that, on some level, we're all seeing it and thinking, so what? Are we the chumps who, like... Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. kind were, of obnoxious. And by the way, this was not cheap. This was like $17 with fees yeah. to see this. Oh, because it was a Fandango thing, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Or something? Fathom yeah. event. Fathom, Fathom, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it wasn't cheap at all. I mean, I'm like, I could have gone and seen a, three good movies at a matinee or four yeah. for this price. And it's like, man, what a piece of shit. Like, and that's really, I, I'm. it's not even trying to be... This is not a film I need to see we again. We took the or, bullet for you, okay, yeah. guys? This, that's what we're telling you. We took a bullet for you. Yeah. It really, it's got to be, you know, like I said, it's not one of those things. It's just, ah, oh, I'm just picking on yeah. Rob Zombie. And I took this bullet enough that I'm, like, going to say, like, I wouldn't take the bullet for yoga hosers. If you go to see that, you're on your own. <laughs> well, you know what to expect when yeah. you see yoga hosers. Yeah, exactly. At least there you know. You're walking in eyes wide open that this is a Kevin you a, Smith. You have a talking Canadian sausage yeah. in it. This, we're led to believe, is the most Rob Zombie movie Rob Zombie has ever directed. His yeah. exact words. But at least Kevin Smith knows when to limit his wife yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And, and to me, this... What? Oh, this, oh, mic uh, drop right there. Boom. Wow. He he goes on to say in Tim this Burton Q&A had the same problem. Yeah. That House of a Thousand Corpses to him couldn't have... Because there were people involved who told him he couldn't do certain things. And this is him letting all of his impulses run wild, which means no one is likable on any level whatsoever. And it's just obnoxious. Yeah, I I think it's the way we'll Everyone finish it out here. Everyone is white trash. Well, <laughs> I'll say this, and I'm going to say this because I, I I was planning on writing a review just to include this line that puts how stupid uh, Rob Zombie thinks the people going to his movies are. There's a part in this movie where there's in, in his last movie there's a guy who looks somewhat like Rob Zombie who's yep. supposed to be like the Rob Zombie guy. There's a guy in this too. It's a different actor, but he looks just like Rob Zombie. Yeah, I've seen that picture. Yeah. So he go- he's going into the back of their trailer to get a gorilla mask because he's going to do some trick where he turns a, like a black girl into a gorilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, okay. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, ha- no, this isn't even the worst part. So he goes in there, and there's two people having sex, right? And he's there, and he just like, okay, they're having sex. It's not like pretty sex. It's just like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he just stands there looking at him holding the gorilla mask. And then they're just joking about the fact that he walked in there. And he says, then the guy starts telling a story about like, oh, when I was a kid, uh, my parents used to have sex. And they would say, oh, we're, we're, we're uh, making something in the oven. And then the kid says, oh, I thought you were making donuts on the couch. It's like, why that? Because there was frosting. I licked some of it. Right? Hilarious. Oh, no, no, no. And then it goes on. Oh. Yeah. You I don't know if I can it. take it. Yeah, anymore. it was semen from my dick. So not only does, does he not trust you enough to understand he's making a horrible, terrible, stupid joke mm-hmm. about a kid thinking cum is frosting, he tells you it's semen straight out. And then it tells you semen comes from my dick, not a turkey baster. Oh, wow. Just to bring it full circle. <laughs> okay. So, uh, a, a better movie to watch would be Cabin in the Woods, who did it much better. Yes. Uh, Arena. Anyone Not ever see crude. Arena? I was thinking, uh, there were some movies that kind of popped my head. Yeah. Do no, you remember Arena? Arena? The one, the original, in the early or, 90s? Yeah, the one about the, the guy versus the aliens. Yeah, the yeah. aliens yeah. in there, like, doing the wrestling and the boxing yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. like that. Excellent film. Monster Brawl. Remember that one? Monster Brawl in is actually better than this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's not because that was like the first thing that popped out. No, it's it's really it just it, that actually really should be the summation. Really should be like I said, Victor um, 
recounting the pitch, like this passing, like they'll fucking make this because I'm Rob Zombie, yeah. and this sounds like a Rob Zombie film. He said you know he was they, done making movies after you know they, Lords of Salem. You know yeah. they were pissed about Lords of Sam. They were probably like, we can't market this. This isn't a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. And that was one other thing. I just want to, I'm going to cab off one little quick thing. It was people going, this is the goriest Rob Zombie movie. Or There's such a no. There is no gore in this. This has got to be one of those tame movies I've ever seen. Like, I nothing. There, yeah, there there's chainsaws, chainsaw deaths left and right where you see nothing. And I don't know if this is his homage That's to an, Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre, but it's so stupid. And then this is where he gets back to Brandon Trost and all he has is DP. Every fight scene in this movie, it's like if you took your TV and started shaking it. Oh yeah, I heard yeah. there's a lot of shaky cam. Yeah. Like and and they show you this behind the scenes documentary where he's using Steadicam and dollies to shoot a lot of the movie, like a very long making of documentary. Yeah, it's really boring. And I will tell you, I have no idea where all these Steadicam shots were in this movie because they show you side by side in case you wonder. But anytime there's a fight scene, you can't understand anything. Characters die, and you're like, oh, he died. So shaky cam is is your found footage. Crapiola yeah. for me. I, I hate I shaky. Yeah, I don't know why he did it. I don't know if he did yeah. it. He's like, this is a perspective. Like, this is a point no. of view. Like, so you can see, like, you could feel what the yeah. person felt. I'm like, all I felt was nauseous, man. And not in like and, a found footage way, no. just like in like, why did you do it, man? There was no need. Because he doesn't know how to shoot a fight scene. The difference is uh, the Doomhead scenes are not at all like that. Yeah. And that's why it feels so uneven. Like, Yeah, it's massively uneven. I'll say this. There's a scene where they introduce the the sex head, whatever, Dottie from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And she shows up, and she's Harley Quinn. Like, she has a Harley Quinn wig, everything. She's Harley Quinn. And there's a strobe light. I do not have epilepsy or anything. I could not watch that for more than, like, a few seconds because there was so much strobe. Like, I can't even, I couldn't understand what was going on. It was giving me a massive migraine, you know? And... These are things, when you do a screening, lock them in. Think. Think of the people watching the movie. No, it's just very hard to watch. Hmm. And not because of the gore or anything. And then when you have characters who are basically... There's a, there's several situations in this movie where characters are like, Oh, don't go in there. Don't go in there. And then afterwards, they're like, Damn it! I knew it! I knew we shouldn't have gone in there! And I'm like, Yeah, you did. So did we. This is so cliche. See, when it all starts to fall apart like that, it just becomes so obvious when they use those types of things. I didn't even hate those, that like we shouldn't have gone in there. At least it's like the real, like what probably people would really react. But I mean, the rest of it, yeah, like I totally forgot the frosting one and stuff. But a lot of it just, it just is so cheesy. It's just, but the worst crime is, is, is that it's boring. Yeah, I wanted to really like it and nothing really happens in this movie. And then by the end, you, the only character you want to get out of it is Meg Foster. Yeah, she's really the only truly yeah, sympathetic and, character. Yeah, and I don't. I think that was an accident of editing. Like, I don't think they meant to make her like the sympathetic one. You know, no, not at all. Yeah, and um, yeah, I also should have said too when you brought up the rise, Rob Zombie. By the way, he plays a Christ figure in the end, like uh, the uh, the. Uh, Without spoiling too much, the uh, Christ figure, the the sacrificial lamb, and oh. I'm gonna have a redemption. Yeah, it, it's really cheesy, but um, yeah, 
Not- but yeah, that's the wrap up of. And now, as we've hit the end of the summer season, so we're gonna wrap this up, guys. So well, I got a few more. Oh, you real do? Quick, go yeah, on, yeah, yeah. quick, quick, quick. Well, no, 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 because I you cover most of the ones that I want to say. So I'm gonna do these as a couple lines and call it a day. Yeah. Is that I finally saw the boss. Mm-hmm. The what? The boss Ma- with Melissa, Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy. Comedy movie. The oh. most oh. paint by numbers movie I've I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, saw. The Bronze, which I thought I don't even know. It's um a Duplass Brothers film, and it's like uh, what's her name from Big Bang Theory is like a gymnast, and she like goes back to cover for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it a shot. It wasn't as bad. I will say it has probably one of the most inventive sex scenes I've ever seen in a movie, and I I did laugh at that. Um, on the documentary side, because I always check out a few. I saw a great one called Who Took Johnny. Um, which was excellent, which is about literally how uh, they started the centers for missing, exploiting children, or really got them going, mm-hmm. reinvigorated how they started media campaigns, told from the mother's perspective. Amazing documentary. Uh, okay documentary was I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, which is the Steve Aoki kind of story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty good. Not great, but enjoyable. Interesting. Um, I did want to mar- mention, too, uh, Summer Failures. Um, so, uh, although we didn't talk about Huge Mouse, I finally saw both the BFG and Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. I took one for the team on both of those. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I'm going to say, uh, yeah, neither, the BFG is not bad. It just doesn't know what it wants to do. And neither does Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. I mean, really do not know what they yeah, want to do. Yeah, the giant be. just looks really yeah. strange. I don't yeah. I don't like that look. It's that Robert Zemeckis uh, yeah, the uh, Polar Express kind of thing. Ugh, yeah, the uh, Beowulf. But the last one um, I did just want to men- mention, because I don't know if actually, Victor, you guys ever saw it, but was the uh, ID4 Rasu. No, I didn't. I just want to say, the the not not good in any way, really not bad, the most bizarre movie in so many respects of how they tried to put it all together but i just want to put this one out as a commentary i have never seen a film in a long 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 time that has ever shoehorned do you remember brent spiner as the kind of like mad scientist yeah, he in the died film in the first one no he didn't no. die he, he comes back yeah. in a coma and not only is he in a coma but he's being cared for by his um his partner they they just we're gonna make him gay He's a, literally, and I'm not saying this, I'm a gay positive person. I support, I've just never seen a film try to shoehorn a character in for no reason. I mean, zero. There's no joy in it. There's no compassion because it just becomes like, I, I thought he was dead. That was the very he, first thing I, I thought I thought of. he died in the first I, one. I thought they used him as a puppet, you know, as a mouthpiece. The uh, alien anytime did. I've seen that in movies where the alien talks to you and you're limp, that usually means you're dead. Oh, no, you're only a coma victim in this movie. But uh-huh. like I said, it just blew me away that they literally, like, okay, we got to fit that in. Not because, like I said, there's plenty of great gay characters in film, and there should be. Uh, just as there's plenty of great gay people out there, it's just one of those things. I'm like, God, you guys really pushed it on this one. And like I said, I I had to bring it up because I thought about it. The second I got out of it, I was like, that's probably the only thing I'm going to remember from this movie because everything else is forgettable. So maybe they did succeed because oh. it it was awful. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it. They're really uh, and I I watched that was all my dollar theater yeah. pretty much dollar theater and Netflix. Yep. Because there hasn't been much good in the theater, and what we talked about yeah. is everything else. So, 
guess that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it for our summer catch-up. Um, we'll have some more interesting thoughts coming soon from the crew. Always stay always stay tied into what we're doing at cultfalling.co because we have reviews up for all the latest films out in theaters as soon as they come out. Check us out because I'm sure we have some more DVD and Blu-ray reviews on the horizon. This is, Right now, it's a big week for all that. Iron Giant Ultimate Edition came out. Lots of good stuff out that we're going to be talking about soon. So uh, subscribe to us on Cult Following, SoundCloud, iTunes. Give us a review. And if you want to meet us in person, you want to check out what we do for the people of Phoenix, the public service and film, check us out at cultclassicsaz.com. Movies on the big screen every month. Until next time, I'm Victor Marino along with Adam Murkowski. Meow. And Kirby Nelson. Till next time, stay hardy, watch movies. Watch movies.